Chapter Thirty Nine of Howard's End. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Howard's End, by E. M. Forster, Chapter Thirty Nine. Charles and Tibby met at Ducey Street, where the latter was staying. Their interview was short and absurd. They had nothing in common but the English language, and tried by its help to express what neither of them understood. Charles saw in Helen the family foe. He had singled her out as the most dangerous of the Schlegels, and angry as he was, looked forward to telling his wife how right he had been. His mind was made up at once. The girl must be got out of the way before she disgraced them farther. If occasion offered, she might be married to a villain, or, possibly, to a fool. But this was a concession to morality. It formed no part of his main scheme. Honest and hearty was Charles's dislike, and the past spread itself out very clearly before him. Hatred is a skilful compositor. As if they were heads in a notebook, he ran through all the incidents of the Schlegel's campaign, the attempt to compromise his brother, his mother's legacy, his father's marriage, the introduction of the furniture, the unpacking of the same. He had not yet heard of the request to sleep at Howard's End, that was to be their master-stroke and the opportunity for his. But he already felt that Howard's End was the objective, and, though he disliked the house, was determined to defend it. Tibby, on the other hand, had no opinions. He stood above the conventions. His sister had a right to do what she thought right. It is not difficult to stand above the conventions when we leave no hostages among them. Men can always be more unconventional than women, and a bachelor of independent means need encounter no difficulties at all. Unlike Charles, Tibby had money enough. His ancestors had earned it for him. And if he shocked the people in one set of lodgings, he had only to move into another. His was the leisure without sympathy, an attitude as fatal as the strenuous. A little cold culture may be raised on it, but no art. His sisters had seen the family danger, and had never forgotten to discount the gold islets that raised them from the sea. Tibby gave all the praise to himself, and so despised the struggling and the submerged. Hence the absurdity of the interview. The gulf between them was economic as well as spiritual. But several facts passed. Charles pressed for them with an impertinence that the undergraduate could not withstand. On what date had Helen gone abroad? To whom? Charles was anxious to fasten the scandal on Germany. Then, changing his tactics, he said roughly, "'I suppose you realize that you are your sister's protector?' "'In what sense?' "'If a man played about with my sister, I'd send a bullet through him. But perhaps you don't mind.' "'I mind very much,' protested Tibby. "'Who do you suspect, then?' "'Speak out, man. One always suspects someone.' "'No one. I don't think so.' Involuntarily he blushed. He had remembered the scene in his Oxford rooms. "'You are hiding something,' said Charles. As interviews go, he got the best of this one. "'When you saw her last, did she mention any one's name?' "'Yes or no!' he thundered, so that Tibby started. In my room she mentioned some friends called the Basts. Who are the Basts? People—friends of hers at Evie's wedding. I don't remember. But by great Scott, I do. 
My aunt told me about some tag-rag. Was she full of them when you saw her? Is there a man? Did she speak of the man? Or, look here, have you had any dealings with him?" Tibby was silent. Without intending it, he had betrayed his sister's confidence. He was not enough interested in human life to see where things will lead to. He had a strong regard for honesty, and his word, once given, had always been kept up to now. He was deeply vexed, not only for the harm he had done Helen, but for the flaw he had discovered in his own equipment. "'I see. You are in his confidence. They met at your rooms. Oh, what a family! What a family! God help the poor pater!' And Tibby found himself alone. End of chapter 39